Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk. Mark and Sarah talk. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Welcome to episode 103 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Andrew Burns' very operatic theme song is a clue to the unsubtle realm that we are about to visit. Uh, I am your co-host, Mark Blankenship, and with me in what I suspect might be a purple rage is my co-host, Sarah D. Bunting. Sarah, are you holding up? (laughs) (laughs) So... So today's song is a, is actually a request from two different people. Um, our listeners, Michelle F. and Marcy A., both asked us to speak about, quote, any meatloaf song. And uh, Sarah, why don't you tell us which meatloaf song we chose to honor that request? Um, well, honor. <laughs> We're going to be uh, testing the boundaries of the definition of that verb today. We will be discussing paradise by the dashboard shite uh i mean light um the eight and a half minute um barrage of suck that uh features meatloaf and i believe ellen foley who played billy on night court yes that is correct so if nothing else i learned that extremely amazing factoid and then i also just had to sit you know, endlessly because there are, you know, Wagner cycles that are shorter than this fucking song. I had to sit, you know, and think about what is it about this song that I don't like? Is it the music? Is it the lyrics? Is it the style? Uh, So why don't we hear a clip? And then I can um, share with you the um results of my analysis yes well i will just share before we do that i think this might be one of the times when we have diverged the most uh, because i've been thinking all week about why i love this song so much so i think our friendship is going to make it but i'm interested to see where this conversation takes us today yeah me too (laughs) here's a clip of paradise by the dashboard light And even though that clip was fairly long, it accounts for roughly 2% of the song's full playing time. 
all right. Well, before I uh, begin ranting, Mark, please talk about if you can talk about like the what you like about the song, but also what that might have to do with the structure of the song, like the build of the song. Because I'd like to hear what you have to say about that before I sure light the fuse on this um, rage bomb. Well, so I first of all am just someone who is naturally prone to enjoy the outre song stylings of Jim Steinman, who wrote this song. Uh, Jim Steinman also wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart. It's All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine Dion and Making Love Out of Nothing at All by Air Supply. And so he has carved a very unique niche in pop music history as someone who will write songs that are really long, really Baroque, very shamelessly over the top in their emotion and in their sound. There is a gaudy theatricality to his music that I personally feel quite attuned to. It's not what I want all the time, but sometimes it's the only thing I want. And I think that just as Total Eclipse of the Heart and It's All Coming Back to Me Now do, I love this song for all of those reasons. But then this song even more particularly tells a story from beginning to end. It's like a tiny play or a radio drama in a way. And I like the fact that there is a complete narrative in this song, that it starts out as just two people thinking that they're going to get lucky. Then you hear from the woman who gets worried that he's going to break her heart, so she insists on his fealty for the rest of their lives. And then he is so horny that he can't think straight, so he's like, sure. And then by the end, they're both miserable. And I just think that telling a crazy story like that with this sort of 50s sound almost or like 50s 60s sound but then also enhanced with crazy over-the-top backing vocals and just the audacity of its length i just like a minute and a half interlude of fucking phil rizzuto narrating a squeeze bunting play yes he's getting the third and right out of it riz (laughs) and right before the kid gets to home plate that's when the woman in the song changes her mind It also is the reason that I like the song Bohemian Rhapsody, because I've been thinking a lot about who other than Meatloaf has been able to exist in this over-the-top prog rock space with a hit, with a song that really broke through. And the only song I can think of that was a massive hit that is a parallel is Bohemian Rhapsody, another song that I also love. But again, unlike that song, unlike all of the other songs that I've mentioned that Jim Steinman wrote, this one is the one that tells a complete story uh so to me i'm digging that and i also really like meatloaf's delivery which i appreciate is not going to be for everyone but the like sweaty earnestness of his delivery is really appealing to me for whatever reason and i also like that there's a lady in the song because i just think it makes i think it makes it more dynamic and interesting hey ellen foley sorry you got replaced by marky post uh but eventually marky post provided me with one of my long-term pop culture nicknames so i can't be too sorry so that is sort of my overview of my affection for Mr. Loaf and Mr. Steinman. But Sarah, I'd like to hear more about your antipathy. Um, all right. Well, first I will note that uh, I noticed in the Wikipedia entry for this song that uh, Jim Steinman said he wanted to write, quote, the ultimate car slash sex song in which everything goes horribly wrong in the end, which is like, that's a perfect encapsulation of what you're trying to do. Um 
why couldn't you have gotten it done in under eight and a half minutes? Um, because by the way, just for those who are, this is an interesting. It's going to interrupt. We haven't yet been talking for eight and a half minutes. Like this podcast is still shorter than the one listen of that song. Yeah. Um, I don't, I was like trying to think of like, what is it about this that I object to? Because like a super long song is not necessarily um, a non-starter. Like sometimes it can be like five and a half minutes for this really. But this is in the tradition of American Pie, of scenes from an Italian restaurant, of Bohemian Rhapsody to a certain extent that there is like plot Mm-hmm. in it that it has that like country song um narrative shape in a like w- almost like 50s like jukey 50s but also like a gospel call and response kind of thing happening uh so and those are songs that I like so it's not that um I certainly don't mind yelly rock so it's not that um my notes read, Dear Miss Maceur's Loaf and Steinman, it's called a metaphor. Please use one before I die of old age. <laughs> but like on the nose lyrics, like if I were like, oh, well, I don't like that song because the lyrics are too obvious, then I would like two songs. And then those two <laughs> songs would be needlessly opaque. Like, what does that even mean? So it's not that. There's just something about like... It's very effortful, mm. and uh, I th- think oversubscribes the like rarity of this experience. Like my notes also say, everybody's fucked in a car. Get on with it. Um, <laughs> and for me, it th- was a Jeep, nineteen ninety two door Honda Accord. Yes. And Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo was on the radio, and that song is way more fuckable than this, despite being a mere three and a half minutes. Um, it just... I, I see what it's trying to do, and I think it almost... Like, the fact that it's so repetitive and so long mm. does get at those, like, drunken, like, fights that you sometimes get in sort of at the end of the night where it's like we're not even fighting we're just drunk and not making any sense and just like the repetition of a fight having you that it you know or like are we gonna just the irrational things that you say and think in a relationship sometimes and uh I guess I sort of respect that you get to the end and it's like, oh, this was all a flashback. These first two sections. I I mean, I guess I just I just find the vocal of both Meatloaf and uh, Billy of Night Court unpleasant. (laughs) And like, it's a relief when Phil Rizzuto, who does not have the, you know, he's a little nasally up in his nasal dog. It's like, oh, baseball. (laughs) Another thing that people say is boring and takes a long time. I disagree. I would really much rather be watching Jackie Robinson steal home plate than listening to this sweaty, coked up bellow fest about a guy trying to convince his girlfriend to bone him by being like, yeah, of course I love you. Whatever. Eh, I just, it's not for me. And I, I think it is the aural um 
aspect of it because I don't think any of the other like nitpicks that I've listed have prevented me from enjoying other songs. Like I just I think Meatloaf's How do you feel about It's not um, for me. This yeah. also feels a little bit like the fiftiesness of it is this very like Johnny Rockets mall diner <laughs> 50s that i am into at all how do you feel about total eclipse of the heart and it's all coming back to me now um i i'm not gonna seek them out i'm not gonna leave a room to avoid them mm. but i'm not gonna seek them out interesting total eclipse of the heart i feel like um i was marinating in that when it was out originally and i'm i'm all set like I had enough spins of that one when it was first out and And then it came back in the nineties in a dance remake that was also a big hit. So you had two chances yeah. to hear it all the time. And that was an excellent that was an excellent remix, actually. It was really good. Um that uh Celine is like weirdly uh good for that kind of thing. You wouldn't think so, but um were you, yeah, I mean, Steinman, you, I think, has a lot of interesting ideas and perhaps is not suited to the brevity of rock. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's all I really have to say were you about at, that. But yeah. Were you at the wedding concert that we did the night before my wedding? My brother taped it. Oh, How yes, of course. We have this conversation. <laughs> Wait, do we talk? We do. Do we talk about this like constantly on this very podcast? Is is this conversation the Olivia Newton-John's <laughs> magic of, of conversations? <laughs> Girl, so I I don't know. Mark Obviously, has a then, cold, folks. I'm being uh, unnecessarily mean to Mark. Uh, yes, yes, brother, I was there. Please, your, please. Your tell brother us more. did tape it, and I'm sure then that the reason I've brought it up before is because we've talked up before about the interpretive dance that I did to <laughs> total uh, to it's all coming back to me now during that concert. That uh, I mean, like having a visual uh, and an interpretive an interpretive dance by someone who feels strongly about the song is like, that's fun. But the song itself, I'm just kind of like, all right. I mean, I respect that Steinman just like goes straight at it. Like there's no angle. There's no irony. None of that. He just goes straight at it. And he's like, this is an operetta. Like, well, I'm not sure we need that, but I respect that you're just going for it. I just don't want to listen to this ever again, honestly. And this is not my least favorite meatloaf song even. Well, which would that one be? Uh, I would do anything for love. Yeah, you know, I don't like that song either, I have to say. But I won't I won't listen to it for y'all. <laughs> which is basically the same song as this song in its structure. I mean That's the other thing that I just feel like every meatloaf song is kind of like a different width of slice of meatloaf. Sorry, you know I had to. Of course. It probably won't surprise you to know that currently running on London's West End is a musical theater version of the Bat Out of Hell albums. Okay. There is like an over, apparently also this musical is incredibly over the top. Like there's a part where a motorcycle blasts apart on stage and then in the sky, the pieces of the motorcycle form a heart. Which I really need to see. Like, I really need... And then there's apparently a part where... That I, sounds so dumb that it might almost be moving. Well, that, what what someone has said to me, what someone said to Andrew Knight the other day was, it was simultaneously the worst and best thing that they had ever seen. And I'm yeah. like, yes, tell me it's more. Like, that's so stupid that I am, trans- I am transported. Like, yes. time has now be- turned itself inside out. 
But I think that one of the things you just said that totally makes sense to me is the fact that this song with a visual might well that that Jim Steinman songs with visuals attached are maybe less exhausting somehow but there is like and I only really seek these songs out when I am in a performative mode right like when I'm dancing to them when I'm with other people and we can enjoy how over the top they are it's never like I listen to these songs on my own when I'm like cleaning up I, I it's like you have to have the witness of other people to all enjoy the lunacy, the lunacy to really enjoy a Jim Steinman song that's that's yeah. something I haven't ever thought about before but I would never listen to Total Eclipse of the Heart without someone else there to be over the top with me yeah I think there's also uh, certain songs that growing up listening to the radio a lot of Top 40 but also a lot of the classic rock station uh, which was 92.3 K-Rock. Um, it's always K-Rock in like every town. I don't know why that is. Um, but this is one of those songs like Stairway to Heaven, which I actually do like, but that's another one. That's, oh, God, yeah. I mean, that shit is long. And the only reason that the DJ puts it on is because he or she needs to pinch a loaf. <laughs> And that is fine. We all work to college radio. We all eat burritos. We all get it. But I think there's a um, there's certain songs that like classic rock um, corporate decided that everybody was just gonna like agree collectively were classics. And I mean, you know, see my Eagles singles. Like some right. of these songs are just like just because they keep playing it on 101.1 doesn't mean it's good or that I like it or that they should be doing that right like witchy woman go somewhere else sit on the roof think about what you did because we're sick of you and this is definitely one of those that if you're you know just tooling around in your New Jersey town and you don't get to control the radio yet because you haven't turned 17 Oh, also that doubly blessed, barely dressed rhyme. I just hate it mm. irrationally. Doubly blessed? No. Uh, so you're just driving around and you're like, okay, well, what's on? And like the only station that's not on commercial is playing this. And you're just like, well, fine. It's Here we go. better than listening to another Crazy Eddie ad. So there's just something about this one that's like, this is received wisdom that this is a rock classic and I resent having to go along with that fiction. You know I'm what sure I'm the one in the wrong about that. I just, it's just one of those things that I'm like, Oh, this, like, why did we decide this is good again? But you know, it's so interesting that you bring up stairway to heaven, which is the, everything that you just said about resenting uh, paradise by the dashboard light is exactly my resentment as you might recall about stairway to heaven and as i I do recall and i can't argue with that because you're just like what even is happening like stop talking about a hedgerow like sober up and shut the fuck up but then it was also like i'll tell you what i and i to this day even though we have now done we did a whole episode about stairway to heaven i still can't sing any of it to you like i listeners if you haven't heard that episode i really go deep as I did last week about Olivia Newton-John's song Magic, about how I cannot retain the memory of ever having heard Stairway to Heaven. And yet, it, though it is architecturally... And even sim- the Dolly version, this is going back a couple of years now, so I might be incorrect about this, but I think even the Dolly version, you're like, look. 
it's just if not going to happen. Angel on Earth cannot move me on on this song. It's it's not I, happening. But it's just I, so now I'm thinking, why is that song, which in so many ways, at least superficially, is similar to Paradise by the Dashboard Light, completely forgettable to me? While as this song, I'm like, fuck yeah, take me to church or the theater or whatever. And I I feel like it has something to do with the overt bluntness of the storytelling and the sort of winking cheesiness of it the like in how fully it embraces its cheesiness because to me like the line about we were doubly blessed we were barely 17 and we were barely dressed is so cheesy that i am i love it i'm like yes queen bring it but i also understand how you would want to put your fist through a plate through a plate of glass thinking about that lyric yeah, and I absolutely understand that, like, conversely, Stairway to Heaven, like, the lyrics are so opaque and so sophomore, like, creative writing 202 that you're just like, oh, like, Bob, just say what you mean. But, like, this is about sex, you clouds, hedgehogs, whatever you're talking about, you're talking about fucking. Just get to the point. And this, like, Paradise by the Dashboard Light does that. And makes the story about that and also about what happens after that. How do you feel about um, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant by Billy Joel? I don't know that I've ever heard it. You, uh, you have to have heard it. You have I mean, not been in solitary confinement. Brenda and Eddie had had it already by the summer of 75. Nah, I only know about it. I, I If I've heard that song, I don't remember. Huh. Yeah, I know. Interesting. But the... Uptown Girl? Totally. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happened before Brenda married Eddie and had to settle for her dinette set. Um, um, I'll play that for you offline. I think you've probably heard it, but it's definitely one of those that's like, uh, if you live in the New York area, Billy Joel is just like always around you and you don't always register it. Well, I know that Andrew loves that song. Okay. So I've probably heard it just while he was cleaning the house or something. (laughs) <laughs> but you know it's and really American Pie any thoughts on that one American Pie oh no that is a good one of course I know American Pie I do I do like American Pie that is a super long song that is not necessarily in the way that this song is telling a coherent first second and third act story but is saying something it is telling a it, it's putting an epic narrative lens on uh, various American tragedies yeah like that's funny because it's like nonfiction and yet it's more metaphorical than yeah than this. It's interesting. But like I'm totally into that song as well. And it, if it, I can totally see also a version of American Pie that has all of the bombast of this song. But I kind of dig that Don McLean made that song feel a little more chill. There's a relaxed quality to that song that makes it easier to sing along to at a bar than you yeah. would. Yeah. And he's also, like, there is some, there's some melodrama in it. Like, the beginning is very, like, (laughs) call me Ishmael. Like, all right, bring it down a notch. It's about a plane crash. We all know what happened. But, uh, yeah, there is something a little more, um, like, I also read on Wikipedia that they sent this song, the Meatloaf song, as like the short to play before the feature of um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, which I thought was such a brilliant idea and to get that song out like, there. Like it absolutely goes with um, 
that sort of uh, that flavor of entertainment that almost half the fun is like conquering all the in jokes and like when to throw toast and stuff like that i've actually never gone to one of those shows which i should put on my bucket list because it looks pretty fun even if you have no fucking idea what's going on um and i like costumes but um that's like i i can see how that quality which is that like there are a lot of um changes of tempo and like different sections and then you sort of feel like mentally they're rushing off stage to change and then they're doing like the you know part three the you know the aftermath that uh i can see how that part of it is appealing but like you said in the performative sense yeah it's like oh this is something that the same people who would like rocky horror picture show and would like dressing up and having a role would find this song um appealing in that same like challenging way right whereas american pie is just like eh, pretty straightforward yeah and it's like, <laughs> like it's long it's a lot of words but they go in an order and you can do it it's the, long I mean, like yeah. it's long it's emotional it definitely has a lot of drama but it is not as it's just not as baroque it's not as yes, intentionally exactly. tasteless it, like there's an intentional tastelessness <laughs> to meatloaf that you don't get with don mclean it's true I feel like much this has like, been a... uh, much like that entree itself. It's like oh yes, yeah. with ketchup and maybe just a touch of Heinz Fifty Seven. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel Be like sure to use the whole egg so that it, it maintains its loaf shape. We are really grasping at something very interesting here that you have to confront if you're listening to a very long song. It's like you are you come face to face with your own aesthetic if a song is really really long. <laughs> yeah, because you're just like, well, here we are, and I did not pack any gorp, so yeah, yeah. It's like let's think about because that's what I said at the top of the episode. Like, I have to grapple with why I don't like it, and I've thrown out a bunch of theories here, but I'm still not sure any of them is correct. And you know and not that they have to be correct and not that either one of us is right to like it or right dislike it yeah no it's just interesting because you know you think you're facing like well this is this is my aesthetic and it doesn't fit into like x y and z lanes of what i tend to like but this one was really despite the fact that there is so much material uh I still don't think I have a good handle on why it annoys me. Yeah. Which is worth something. I don't know. That's why we have this podcast is to try and figure this stuff out and we don't always figure it out. But I think it's so interesting to puzzle it out. And I'm not sure that I, I th- I'm not sure that I can explain exactly why this one works for me. Other, I, Well, I, I feel like I do kind of understand for myself why I'm into it. Because of all the reasons I've mentioned, particularly the overt tastelessness, which sometimes I just am really into. But I also think that there's something worth embracing for you about just sometimes your gut knows that you don't like something. And I don't know if we can always put words to it. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I think it's worth trying to, like, articulate and intellectualize or whatever why it is but the longer we do this podcast and the more episodes we have what's interesting to me is also trying to predict what you're gonna like or dislike and why that might be um would you have predicted that i would have liked this song 
I would have predicted that you would be that you would respect it and feel fond of it. Um, now that we've talked about it, I actually feel a little silly that I would not have predicted that you would love it. <laughs> but you know, I play that game too, and sometimes I'm I would never have predicted, for instance, that you would have loved Magic by Olivia Newton John, which I should have brought up when we were actually talking about that song, but hey, whatever. Uh, but I love that you love that song and I that, that we can always surprise one another. It's true, except I don't know, like uh, I mentioned on Twitter, uh, listeners, by the time you hear this, this little this will have been like a couple of weeks ago. But I was like, um, this was a rock song so long and bad that I had to listen to Rick Derringer's rock and roll hoochie coo like three times to get the meatloaf taste out of my ears. That's a sentence I never thought I'd be saying. Um, Dad, your university tuition refund check is in the mail. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, oh, maybe I should bring this one up for uh, this one up for Mastass. And then I was like, no, because this is like guitar panty dropping shit that I like and Mark doesn't care. Right. And, and now I are. know that. And I'm still like, I'm I'm fascinated by that vein of your uh, apathy. It's really interesting to me. Oh yeah, like the 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 guitar panty dropping rock lane that I cannot yeah. drive in. Yeah, that I'm like, but think about the fingering that's happening right now, and you're like, I like, I'm not an idiot. I just don't care. I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, there's certain songs that I'm like, well, I could try it, but he's not gonna care. Well, but that's fascinating to me. Yes, and I have felt the exact same way actually. So I have. Uh, you have gamely listened as I've talked about Beyonce multiple times. And you're just like, girl, it's just not for me. And I'm like, but she's a strong woman making interesting artistic statements. Isn't that what you love? And you're like, yeah, except this time. No, I just <laughs> cannot. I cannot shine a light in my heart from Ms. Knowles Carter. And I'm like, you know what? Fine. I get it. I don't I'm fascinated. like how that's something about myself that I'm like, okay. I love salt and pepper. <clears throat> I love public enemy. I uh, don't care. And like when we were talking about it with Pam, that I was like, this, this should be a barn burner in theory. Like I get why it works on people does not work on me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. And then I just see Twitter blowing up about some crazy thing that she did. And I'm like, good for her. Good for y'all. I'm going to go read a book because I guess I don't care. I guess I'm dead inside. But that's one of the know. reasons I love this podcast, too, is because I love finding those places where we go that the other person might be surprised by. And then there are also the times when we find that we both love something and we're like, oh, we're both really into this Todrick Hall song. Great. Yes! <laughs> Uh, I think I might have to go listen to that just three times in a row because that'll be about eight and a half minutes and that'll be an excellent use of my time. Spectacular. Well, until and next now, time. Listeners, I challenge thee to come up based with on this sidebar discussion we just had uh, with the ultimate Mark and Sarah dual repellent crossover project. Ooh. So, <laughs> Beyonce's Stairway to Lemonade <laughs> would be the first example of that. Uh, I'm trying to think of other examples, but listeners, 
we would love to hear your thoughts on what would be um, Mark and Sarah talk about kryptonite. Uh, so you can tweet that at us. You can email that to us. You can post it on our Facebook page. You can post it on our Patreon page. All of that information on how to reach us is coming up in the bumper in just a few seconds. Thank you so much for listening. It's been paradise to talk about this with you. I don't have a car, though, so it's just been paradise by the bedside light. <laughs> Too blunt. I do have a car, but it's very tiny. So <laughs> paradise by the dashboard pin light? I don't know. <laughs> I do love you forever, though, Mark. Oh, thank you. A bottle of white A bottle of red Perhaps a bottle of rosé instead Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting. And it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening. Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk about songs, talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.